Thursday. This morning's reading is from Lamentations. It's Lamentations 3, verses 31 to 37. So Lamentations 3, 31 to 37. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion, so great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. To crush underfoot all prisoners in the land, to deny people their rights before the Most High, to deprive them of justice, would not the Lord see such things? Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Thank you very much, Mark. Now, I wonder when you heard those words, what, what was going through your mind? Certainly, as, as I um, read them, I, I was a little bit puzzled, thinking these seem to be sort of pulling in, in, in different directions. So I spent some time reading them. And actually, as an aside, if you struggle with Bible verses, the best thing to do is to read them and read them, and read them, and read them. And as I did that, something beautiful clicked. And for me, actually, one of the best ways I can do that is using an app called Dwell. Dwell is a Bible app where you can listen to the Bible being read and people like David Suchet. And in the background, there's sort of ambient music or hymns played. And it just helps me to listen to it. And so I took Freddie out for a drive, and I listened to these verses and I listened, and I listened, and I probably listened to them about 20 times. As I heard God's words, I dwelt in God's words, I was reminded that everything comes from God's hand. And everything from his hand is his never-ending, never-stopping, never-giving-up love and goodness. Uh, So let's dive into these words and lamentations. But as we do, let's pray to our Father in heaven. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this series in lamentations. And we pray this morning, as we consider these short verses in Lamentations 3, you yourself would speak to us, not simply to enlighten our minds, but warm our hearts with your goodness and love. Amen. As I said, if you've been following our series in Lamentations uh, from the last couple of weeks, you'd have heard Phil set up that the context of Lamentations, uh, the the book was written after the fall of Jerusalem in 587 BC. Uh, It's five chapters, five poems, uh, five reflections on that experience. But before we apply those words, it's worth just trying to gain a glimpse and and to, to get into the mindset of what that experience would have been like. So just for a moment, just imagine Brighton and Hove in its sort of absolute peak. You know, no distancing, no masks. Uh, The beaches are buzzing, the pier is full, Uh, Churchill Square is heaving and the lanes are doing a great trade. Uh, Shops are popping up all over the place, houses are being built, community centres are being built, schools are being built, the parks are lot, the place is buzzing, people want to be here, life is here, stability is here. Prosperity is here. Then it happens. The forces sweep in like a tsunami and destroy everything. Churchill Square is a skeleton, but all the shops have been looted. 
The streets are littered with broken glass as every house's window is smashed in. The sky is filled with smoke as the city perpetually burns. And churches stand in ruin as of a bygone age. Deathly silence fills the air as most people have been taken away. And the smell of death is everywhere. That's what it would have been like for Judah. Uh, this is the picture that Phil showed us of after atomic bomb from a few weeks earlier. Why did this happen? Was it chance? Did Judah simply meet a stronger foe? Well, on the face of it, yes. But, but listen to the words that were said to Habakkuk 40 to 50 years earlier. And this is Habakkuk chapter 1. Verses 5 and 6. This is the Lord speaking to Habakkuk. Uh, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly be amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. In other words, this grief came from the Lord's hand. This judgment came from the Lord's hand. Earlier in Lamentations 1 verse 5 we read, The Lord has brought grief because of Judah's many sins. The people had abandoned God and it seems God has abandoned them. And so they lament. And then we reach chapter 3. And so far on our journey, we've heard to be honest and hopeful from verses 1 to 24. We've heard to remind ourselves that God is good, verses 25 to 30. But not, and this morning, not abandoned forever. That at his core, verses 31 to 33, at his core, God is full of compassion and love. And will act, verses 34 to 36, with complete justice. But here's the big idea I want us to take away this morning. What comes most freely from God is love, blessing and mercy. What comes most freely from God is love, blessing and mercy. He brings judgment because he must. But that is not who he is. Which is why we read, for no one was cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love that he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. The author knew that love and mercy always drive God. If you catch him off guard, that's what he's about. Uh, there are famous examples, aren't there, of people being caught off guard. Um, maybe you remember Gordon Brown from the 2010-2000 election uh, and the bigoted woman uh, exchange he had when he thought the cameras weren't rolling and the microphones weren't on. Uh, he was caught off guard and that's what he really felt. If you catch me off guard, then I'll probably try and say something funny that's designed to show off and make myself look good. 
What about God? What if you catch him off guard? Well, one author said this. If you catch God off guard, what leaps out most freely is blessing. The impulse to do good, the desire to swallow us up in joy. If you catch God off guard, what most leaps out most freely is blessing. The impulse to do good and the desire to swallow us up in joy. Uh, This is the God of lamentations. Uh, He brings judgment, yes, because he must. Uh, He must judge the sin of Judah. For him not to judge would make him un-God. If he didn't judge, then he wouldn't be God at all. Uh, But but at his core, at his core, uh, what seeps out is love, blessing and mercy. So no one is cast off by the Lord forever. So of course he is the God of second chances. He is the God who will enable his people to return. They may be exiled, but for 70 years, but 70 years they will return. There is hope. Uh, The Lord does bring grief. Verse 32. But he does not do it willingly. Verse 33. One commentator said, it it is no pleasure to God to afflict men. He takes no delight in our pain or misery. Yet, like a tender and intelligent parent, he uses the rod not to gratify himself, but to profit and save us. There's a purpose in his judgment. He he wants to restore Judah. If he had not judged Judah, Jerusalem, that they were continued in sin, continued in their idolatry, continued in a path that was away from the Lord. So like a loving parent, he does what he can, what he must, to bring them back. But unlike a parent, God is able to do that perfectly and deliberately to draw people back to himself. And we know from verses 34 to 36 that no act goes unseen. Nothing can pass him by. Both the actions of Judah and that of Babylon The Lord is the perfect judge who will bring perfect justice. But not cold justice. Not sort of uh, cold justice that's uncaring, but rather judgment that calls for repentance. Judgment that calls for faith. Judgment that offers the chance to be restored and not cast aside. Because what comes most freely from God is blessing and mercy. He brings judgment because he must, but it is not who he is. Uh, So the author is crying out, Lord, I know all things come from your hands. I know that we have brought this great calamity upon us. Uh, I know it's because we have sinned. And I know that you, like a loving parent, are drawing us back to yourself. And I know that even though it feels unpleasant, it is for our good. Because I know that what most freely comes from you is love, blessing and mercy. So today the author says, I will trust you.
in pain unsearchable, in circumstances unknowable, and in grief unbearable, I will trust you. All things come from your hand, Lord, but I know your hand is good. So how does this play out today? How does this play out as we look at it through the lens of mental health? Well, just before we do that, it's just worth just taking a step back and saying, well, what do we mean by mental health? Uh, We've heard some, some great words from Chris earlier. Uh, that are really helpful. And indeed, these are the words that the charity Mind define mental health. They say, uh, good mental health means being generally able to think, feel and react in the ways you need and want to live your life. But if you go through a period of poor mental health, you might find your ways you're frequently thinking, feeling or reacting become difficult or even impossible to cope with. This can feel just as bad as a physical illness or even worse. As Chris said in her interview, actually, mental health impacts all of us. It could be a very small, trivial example, couldn't it, of just feeling really tired one morning and you can't quite cope properly. I'm sure we've all had that experience. And then maybe a good night's sleep and we feel much better the next day. We might say it's almost like getting a small cut in your finger. You put the plaster on and it helps and you can move forward. But if that's the bottom end... We can see how it builds up. How we could be tired, not just one day, but, but almost every day. And how maybe lockdown is just grinding us down. And then there's the circumstances of life. A loss of a job. A pet. A sport. Health. Children leaving home. Losing parents. Losing a spouse, losing a child, giving birth, being the victim of abuse or bullying at any time in your life, loneliness, drug or alcohol misuse. We all have mental health and just as Chris said, just like our physical health, that we can do things to look after our physical health, there are things that we can do to look after our mental health. And actually some of those things are the same. So so taking exercise and eating healthily can do good for both. But just like Chris said in the video, there are other things we can do as well. We can talk. We can share. We can try and direct our thoughts onto things that are going to be helpful. But also looking after our mental health, just like our physical health, will mean not being afraid to ask for help. Just like we know when a bit of leukocytes won't help us through a patch of physical health, we might need a bit more help. There may be occasions when we need to ask for help as well. So mental health does impact us all. And so do the truths of Lamentations 3. And here's the first lesson I want us to focus upon from that. All things come from the Lord's hand. All things come from the Lord's hand. I wonder how you react when you hear that. Do I really mean all things? Listen to these words from the Belgique Confession. 
which was written in 1559. It's a statement of what uh, Christians believe, a bit like the creed that we say. And it said this about God's sovereignty, the idea that all things come from the Lord's hand. It says that this doctrine gives us unspeakable comfort. It teaches us that nothing can happen to us by chance, but only by the arrangement of our gracious Heavenly Father who watches over us with fatherly care, sustaining all creatures under his lordship, so that not one of the hairs on our heads, for they are all numbered, not even a little bird can fall to the ground without the will of our Father. Nothing happens in our lives by chance. Nothing. Does that mean that, that sort of every reaction, sorry, every action rather, is a reaction against something that we have done in the past? Uh, this has happened to me because I, I've done something earlier. Well, please hear this and please let me say categorically, no. No. If you want proof of that, then read the story of Job. Job had done nothing wrong. Uh, We know that uh, as the listeners. Uh, But his friends come to him and insist that he must have done something. And they insist, look, repent and, and this calamity will go away. That was not the counsel that he needed. But we are just as guilty. We can be just as guilty. Uh, we may have well-meaning friends who may come up to us and say, well, what is the law trying to teach you through this? What lesson does the Lord want to teach you through this situation? Or maybe we could apply it to the pandemic. What might the Lord be teaching us through this pandemic? And the only answer we can truly, honestly give, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one day we will. Maybe one day we'll grasp one thing the Lord was doing through any given situation. But the Lord is capable of doing a thousand things at any one moment. So in any given situation, we we might be experiencing the result of a past sin. We might be experiencing the result of another person's sin. Or we might simply be in a situation the Lord is using to help us to love him and trust him more. In any situation, we can experience the world as a, a sinner, a sufferer. And a saint. All things come from the Lord's hand. But that flows into our second point. There are no better hands to be in. There are no better hands to be in. The Belgic Confession starts off by saying, It is an unspeakable comfort to know that all things come from the Lord's hand. Because if they don't, then we are tossed to and fro by chance. If they don't, 
then we'll descend into hopelessness because really this world is just about blind luck. Or perhaps we'll just bury our heads in the sand and pretend that I don't want to even think about it. But if all things really do come from the Lord's hand, It is an unspeakable comfort because there are no better hands to be in. Because those hands are the hands that that flung stars into space. Uh, Those hands are the hands that formed the beating hearts inside our chests. Uh, Those hands are the hands that, that sealed Noah in the ark that divided the waters of the Red Sea. Uh, Those hands are the hands that touched the leper. And wiped away the tears from those that were hurting. Those hands are the hands who did not strike back when they were being beaten. Those hands are the hands that were stretched out upon the cross and had nails driven through them. Those hands are those that ate fish on the beach after coming out of the tomb and those hands are the hands that welcome us home John Newton put it like this the storm is guided by the hands which were nailed to the cross the storm is guided by the hands that were nailed to the cross There are no better hands to be in. We can entrust this world into his hands. We can entrust our world into his hands. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. But he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. This morning, I, I, I don't want to offer quick, quick answers to big questions. I can't say that after this morning, uh, life will feel easier. Indeed, I'm sure for many, it's likely that harder times are ahead. It, it may be that mental or, or physical pains will be with us all the days we walk this earth. But rather this morning, I offer this. What most freely flows from the Lord's hand is love, blessing and mercy. The book of Lamentations reminds us saying it's okay to cry out. It's okay to ask why. It's okay to say, why is my lived out experience like this? But the book of Lamentations... And specifically, our passage this morning reminds us that in those moments, we know we are held and we are loved. It reminds us that the answer to our mental health is not to to look within and sum up the strength to face another day. But to remember that today we are in the hands of the Lord. And every day we are in his hands and there are no better hands to be in because what flows most freely from the Lord is love, blessing 
and mercy. To close, I'm going to read the words about a poem that was turned into a hymn. Now, you may know it, it's entitled God Moves in Mysterious Ways. Uh, it's written by William Cooper, who is uh, one of the poets that the, the streets down in Poets Corner is named after. But let me tell you a little bit about Cooper first. Uh, Cooper lived from 1731 to 1800. Uh, Heartache was his handmaid and from birth. Uh, William and his brother John were the only two among seven siblings to survive past infancy. At age six, his mother died, giving birth to John, leaving William deeply distraught. Cooper moved from school to school before landing at Westminster School in 1742, where he was bullied mercilessly by older students. As he progressed into adulthood, things grew appreciably worse in 1763, he was offered a position at the clerk of, in the journal, the House of Lords, but the job examination brought, sent him off the rails. He experienced grinding depression and boards on insanity. Three times he attempted suicide and was sent to the asylum for recovery. But it was the asylum that turned out to be a place of grace for Cooper. Dr Nathaniel Cotton cared for Cooper and showed him the love of Christ. Uh, one day in hospital, Cooper found a Bible uh, and it fell open to Romans 3.25. God opened Cooper's blind eyes that day and he became a Christian, putting his faith in Jesus. Salvation changed his heart, but not his melancholy attitude. In 1767, two years after leaving the asylum, Cooper met the slave trader, John Newton. Uh, Newton mentored Cooper and encouraged Cooper and ministered to him. There were more suicide attempts as the viper of melancholy gripped his poet every ten years, usually the 10th of January. And Cooper wrote, God moves in 1773. Soon after, Cooper wrote, God moves, the darkness returned. He attempted suicide again and he died. On April 25th, 1800, in the throes of depression, he wrote his final poem, poem and composed in 1799 entitled The Castaway. But by God's grace, that did not describe his eternal state. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and riders upon the storm. Deep in unfamble minds of never failing skill, he fashions up bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye faithful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds that you much dread are big with mercy and will break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err. And scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter. 
and he will make it plain.